Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Welcome back to the 301 Podcast. Today we talk to Job Ackerboom. Job is the founder and creator of Scrollbook. In the podcast, we talk about what Scrollbook is, we talk about the creation process of Scrollbook, but we also talk about all the creative processes, how he deals with failure and much more. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast and let's get it started in 3.01. Coming just from the award ceremonies for the, his newest project, directly to the 301 podcast, Job Ackermann, Ackerboom, sorry, <laughs> welcome to the 301 podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. That's quite. That's a very German name, Ackermann. Really? Yeah, so uh, that's why it was immediately Well, in my head. They, they said the same at the award ceremony. Uh, but, you know, it's it's Ackerboom, but uh, I heard it a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. I can't Don't imagine. Worry. Yeah, I mean, life could be worse right now, right? Finishing cum laude, getting a job right after the studies, having a really, really cool project with uh, scroll books. Yeah, yeah, I cannot complain in that sense, no. Um, yeah. You did your research, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> nice. I'm informed, of course. Nice, nice. But before we dive into it, maybe it would be nice to have a quick introduction from your side, um, who you are and what you do. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm Joop Arkeboom. I'm um, 25 years old. I last year I graduated from communications multimedia design um, from the HVA in Amsterdam. And I'm currently working at Superhero Cheesecake, where we are a... Uh, design studio and we create um you know bluntly said cool shit for the web with uh, experience experience web uh, experience based web um stuff and uh, being creative while we can and besides that i i try to work on my own thing besides scrollbook i got my own uh company and trying to you know make that bigger mm. uh because i cannot sit still i cannot my hands will you know need to to do something uh, so yeah, that's about me. Nice, exciting. And I mean, we said it like uh, in the introduction a, a little bit, we talked about Scrollbook um, and maybe you can like just tell like what is Scrollbook? Like how, how did you come up with this idea and, and what is it? Yeah, so so Scrollbook is a, uh, it, it is my graduation project. So I started on it to work on it uh, 20, a bit more than 20 weeks ago. Um, but it was a, a, a a article I read in the bus, um, which took um, 30 minutes, the bus ride. And, you know, I was reading up on, on all the problems, you know, people have, <laughs> you know, it's, see where, ca where I can find a, a problem, where I can work on a nice visual solution because I'm a designer at heart. Um, and then I came on this, this study of, you know, um, younger people not being able to deep read, which means that you can, you know, get inside or... Uh, make connections with stuff um, because what we usually do is fast reading which means you know um, reading from twitter to 140 characters nothing more nothing less mm. um, so I, I i read this article and i thought yes this i think this is great so I, I gave it to my father and i asked him what do you think what do you think can this be a a project that i can work on for 20 weeks um, and he read the article in 10 minutes so at that point, I thought, okay, yes, this is something I can really work with. Um, and because of my, I'm not a reader. Um, and I thought that was the perfect way to, to approach it from the visual perspective that I have um, instead of, you know, from a writer or a reader perspective, because then now I have to learn about the, the, the user and, you know, dive into them instead of coming with my own problems. Mm. And that way I could, I could visually solve some problems to enhance deep reading for younger people. Super cool. And you said like in the beginning, I um, I was looking into problems that, that people have. What, what what other problems did you find there? Or was anything else like for also like in your mind to like to work on it? Or was it quite clear that you wanted to do something with uh, reading? No, I got a, a, a really long list. <laughs> it was just a bit too much actually. So I also, you know, this, this was just a, a lucky thing as well finding this because um on the other hand i like to work with uh, you know existing ips so for example lord of the rings or the shining and create something for them that, that will be my my dream job so that's also why i 
picked something with reading because then I could still work with those IPs. But before that, I had you know ideas of um, uh, the perception of weed, how how boomers uh, <laughs> react to weed. You know, it's it's drugs and alcohol, not only drugs, for example. Mm. Um, and I also thought about museums um, not gathering enough young people and that kind of stuff. But it, it was all cool. And it was all really there a problem, but not something that I really wanted to work with as badly as, you know, existing IPs like uh, they, they have with books. Mm. And you had your, your ID, your talked with your father, he said, uh, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. And how did you then um, transfer it into, into reality? Like how, how was the initial startup process? Was it quite clear that what, what vision you have? on it how you want to design it N not in particular you know you, you have the of course you have to warm yourself up to you know could i be even making something for this that could be cool so you, you came up with some ideas but i never expected to have this outcome but i thought of different techniques like how to have different interactions without you know always pressing or, or that kind of stuff so i was also thinking about tilting a screen could be a phone, could be a, a tablet, and think with those kind of things. And that made me warm enough to to start working on it. Mm. Because again, you know, the the existing IPs are cool enough to work on. Mm. I mean, I, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, so it was a no-brainer to do a Lord of the Rings book um, as a example of the uh, concept. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's uh, unfortunate that we have no visual aids, of course, for the listener. But but sure. may maybe you can explain a little bit, like how does the um, how does the scroll book work, and why do you think it would animate people more to to read? I think you can best uh, think about it as a platform, and platforming. You know, the most basic sense: you have your bookshelf, you have your where you can browse or search books, uh, but everything is highly um, designed. Because I think if you design something, you can immerse more easily into it. And a side effect of something that's being nice designed is called the uh, aesthetic usability effect. And because of that, we presume it's easier. Mm -hmm. Sounds really weird, uh, but it works. It's, it's crazy. Um, but then you, for example, you come on the, the browse section and on this browse section, you see all the different books where you can scroll through because, you know, scroll book. Um, but you can already, you know, interact with all of the uh, book covers. If you tilt the screen and the title moves with your with your movement, which makes it already more interactive and mm -hmm. more um, where it's uh, the, the platform that is on. So, for example, if we talk about digital books, we talk about uh, ebooks, which are basically, uh, in my opinion, PDFs with copy and pasted text. Mm. that's it i mean the medium of of your phone or your tablet or your um laptop can do so much more than just you know loading in a pdf so that's why i want to really give something back in that sense mm. um and as soon as you start scrolling through a story uh, let's say you press on lord of the rings which is a trailer that you first come upon which is a five minute read um, but it's taken from a certain page uh, in the book that really speaks for the book and you know illustrates a a good feeling um and when you scroll as or at least as soon as you scroll you will see the text light up a bit mm -hmm. which i called enabled reading which in the most basic sense is karaoke reading so you know when, when you see text light up on karaoke the same happens but only if you scroll and that's where the name Scrollbook also came from. Mm. Um, and this helps the user to have a focus point. So, for example, I don't know if you read, um, you know, before or, or if you do it now. But uh, I, what I did when I was little, I used my finger and go word by word, you know, following everything. And enabled reading works the same way, but only lighting up the text in, mm. the, in, in the same way. Um, and then you go to this through this trailer with animations and text and uh, interaction or interactable stuff. Um, and after this five minute read, you have your small commitment uh, and then you are more likely to go on the bigger commitment of, you know, reading the actual book. Mm. If the story is something that is, that's for you. 
Uh, and then you have the, you know, the same look and feel of the trailer where you fell in love with, if, if the book is something for you, uh, but only, you know, downgraded a bit in the visual department in terms of illustration or photography and interaction, because it still needs to be about reading. The only thing that's really prominent in that section is the enabled reading stuff where you can still, you know, keep a tone with reading. Mm. Super interesting. And what is then the follow-up action? Like, is then like the? Of course, it should animate to like read the the whole book. And is it then like connected directly like to an to an ebook, or is it then like like open end? It doesn't matter. Like, you can scroll for the or buy the the book yourself. Or uh, is is there already like a connection, or is that uh, like a little bit still right now disconnected? Yeah, so, so th there was also the, the feedback that I got a lot from, you know, oh, you got this great trailer. It looks really cool. Now I really want to read it. And if I buy it, I got the actual book. Now I'm bummed. You know, it's, it's something that's not really reflected. Mm. So then I thought, you know, I have to, um, you know, still focus on the reading, but still have the, the, the actual book in, in the same look and feel as the trailer. Um, and then you can do, you know, funny stuff in, instead of you're on page 40 of 60 on, on um, chapter 14, you have, you have scrolled 3000 words of the 4000 because it's an endless scroll in that sense. And you mm. go to the next chapter by keeping to scroll. Really nice. And I mean, uh, for this really, really remarkable because we talk about it quite, uh, easily <laughs> to just say like wow i had this idea and that i did it but it was like a, a student project right yeah and um, but it now um, starts to develop for something like really really big <laughs> you had like an, an, an a ceremony and or like we're on the short list for an award yeah uh, unfortunately didn't win it yeah and um, but uh, like when was the moment that you realized oh i'm i'm working on something big like this could be bigger than just like a, a student project Yeah, I, I think as soon as I came up with the, it's funny because I had this karaoke reading, right? When I had that, I thought this will be the core of the, of the project because it really helps to focus the reader on, you know, reading, which helps them to come um, faster in the state of deep reading. Um, but I know karaoke reading sounds so, so silly. <laughs> So I, I asked my girlfriend, uh, do, do you know a great name? And she just came up with enabled reading. And I thought, yes, that, that, that's, that just sounds, sounds expensive. Let's do it. Mm. And um, I think from that point on, everything, you know, rolled into all the other stuff because design goes easy for me uh, and conceptual. It's always a bit harder for me, but I, I really felt those two were combined at the right time. Mm. Um, and then I thought, yes, this is something that I will w want to work on after I send it in for my graduation. Mm. And um, also, you know, pe people always say, oh, you have, to see, you have to go work on it. And uh, yeah, yeah, whatever, uh, when I have time or something. But this time it really came, came out of myself to, to, to work on it. And it's still from a visual um, passion. Um, reading is, of course, very important. But I also think, you know... Um, Most of the younger people are very visually, um, uh, you know, they like to see visual stuff instead of just only reading. Mm. And I want to enhance that experience. So I also don't see uh, that scroll book is a replacement for an actual book. I think those are the core of everything. It's just another thing that gets added to it. So for example, um, You know, Storytel has something great with the, the audio books they have, right? So I think you have this, um, um, you have the, the actual book, the physical one, then you have ebooks, then you have uh, listening books or audio books, and then you have scroll books. You know, it's, it's a separate entity for the readers who want a little bit more experience to the, to the book, mm. but it's not a uh, replacement for anything. No, no, but I, I could imagine that it would be like really, really beneficial because if I look at my own reading behavior, I mean, of course, like um, a lot of times it's like you read the the, the cover and like the, <laughs> the backstory, but then that's it, right? So yeah. then, and then you decide uh, a lot of times I decide more like on reviews than on my actual experience because you don't really like, yeah. what does it give you like that short uh, text? Or yeah, something, and, right? and beside that short text, what does it tell you? Because it's, it's, it's grabbed from uh, 300 pages or more and you know condense into this little thing why mm. not only give you uh, a small 
small small bit of a a chapter because i asked the uh, the target audience um how do you choose out your books and i said oh, I don't <laughs> it article recommended to me by by my teachers or sometimes from my parents but otherwise than that they don't don't even read so then i asked how do you um choose your netflix films and i said oh, of course i watch the trailer and mm -hmm. i thought okay yes uh, which trailers do I like the best? I, myself, I like the, the trailers the, the most, which are just s small scenes from the movie with mm. no context or everything, you know, that makes me very curious. And I approach that same philosophy onto the the trailers for the books. Mm. Super nice. And what, what does it take to to get this now off, off the ground? Um, like, is there any, like, planning already on... Um, working on it also like from a commercial perspective because i think right now it's a very um, ideologically mm -hmm. and visual and prototype perspective but is it for you something that you say like okay this is really something i could see uh, evolving over the, the years yeah and, and that's also my aim i'm um i'm aiming to work on it you know the until the next year uh with some of my creative friends who are one of them is a uh, programmer and the other one is a um a graphic designer as well and together we want to you know really build this into a version one because like mm. you said now it's still a concept with a prototype that works but it's kind of janky you know you, you can you can look between the cracks um but um it still needs to be a version one where you can actually you know where i can say oh you can download it here or you can check it on this actual website without me having to say uh it can loading times could be a bit long do you have good internet you know no. i don't want to say that anymore so but that still of course takes a lot of work and effort mm. and uh, the price of the of the award could have um, helped with that but um, regardless of that i want to work on it because it's it's just purely out of passion and mm. i think there is a market for it besides also um i think it's important to um make the younger audience a little bit more enthusiastic about reading mm, for sure and um i mean again i think we talk about it like uh, as if it would be like a, a given what was like the one thing that you you learned the most out of like this kind of like startup um, experience i think yeah it's it's hard you know because i do this for now for almost more than 10 years being creative and working on stuff you know sometimes bring with something out sometimes i don't uh, i also made some youtube channels <laughs> some funny sketches but uh that's beside the point um i think that the most important thing that i learned was the more specific you are for the target audience the better outcome for everyone and it sounds kind of weird but I, i i don't know i don't remember who it was i think it was simon Sinek. i don't know uh But he said, if you design for everyone, then you're designing for no one. You know, everyone has, has different tastes and that kind of stuff. So when I approached Scrollbook or, or this problem, I thought, you know, I, I will, of course, it's catered to the younger people, but I will design for everyone. But then, you know, you, you end up with nothing, basically, because everyone wants something else. Mm. So I, when I really focus on the younger audience and their problems and their, you know, thinking patterns, I got to focus on that which made a product that is really catered to them and because of that uh, other target audience for for example older people who, who read fish, uh, uh, physical books also benefited from it because they are were interested in this new experience way that is really catered to to something else mm. so they know it works for that uh, target audience so why not for them so in that sense, being more specific ended up being more broad in a way. Less is more. I don't know how you want to call it, but uh, yeah. something like that. Super interesting. Uh, quite interesting. You said also like um, I'm I'm working in the creative space for more than 10 years. We dove uh, immediately to the to the scrollbook uh, topic. Um, but how did you like get how did you get started in the first place with uh, like design, with illustrations, with uh, being creative, like? What was like the initiate like spark that that you said like hey I want to I want to work in this industry I want to be part of it? I I, th I think really back in the day when um, my parents got a first 
digital camera. I pointed it at myself and I lip synced videos. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy they are not online anymore. <laughs> um, you know, and then YouTube came up, I think it was around 2005. And um, then I, I met a friend and he had the same passion of, you know, being comedic and putting out this stuff. And then it got more serious. And then, you know, you, you bring in some some design tools. So for example, After Effects or Premiere Pro, and then you're going to do some titles or you know, Illustrator or Photoshop. And that rolled me into making things look nice. And then, you know, I, I kept doing this on the background. And after I s finished high school, I went to a, um, I don't know how you call it in English, MBO. Is, is, is this the yeah. next school after high school? I don't know. It's, it's a study, I guess. Yeah, college. Yeah. College, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was uh, only purely for graphic design. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, I really learned the tools, and then I thought, you know, great, I, I'm still being creative. I, I know the tools, but now I, besides that, I don't don't know anything else. So that's why I went to the the next college where it was purely based on why do you make it and for who, and you know, I think that set everything more in motion. Than, than the rest of the stuff mm -hmm. because now I had a reason to design um, besides you know doing it for my own passion because I like to do it mm. and I always struggled with myself of being an artist or a designer but I like to be a mix of both because I want not only want of course you want to design for yourself because you know you have to be pleased with it yourself that you make but you also I think at least you need to do it for someone else because you need to give value on why you do it. And it's, for me, at least it's easier to, to look at some, someone's problem and seeing if I can fix it or enhance it mm. uh, than only doing it for myself. Because the thing I do for myself is making it. That, mm. That's my own um, take I get out of it. And if I can help someone with that, that's great. And and how would you dif differentiate the two uh, parts, like artist and and uh, designer? Like I, f I found it quite interesting that you said like I don't I I've never really understood like what I am if I'm like more an artist or more like a designer. But how would you define like for example like an artist or how would you define a designer? Yeah, it it is a very hard line, you know. Uh, sorry, a uh, gray line. I don't know. Um, but it's a fine line. That's what it is. Um, because. I think an artist is someone who does it f from from out themselves to bring something into the world to let people think differently or do something to to look at it some some place or some someone else. Um, but it's not catered to someone or mm. to solve anything or to help anyone. Not not I think that's not the first thought that goes to an artist's mind. It's more kind of a projection of something. But a designer really looks at the user or the group that is going to use it and how they can help visualize or do stuff. I mean, you can also be a designer of keynotes, for example, you know, because then you help people understand the, the info that's being told. Mm. Uh, and an artist would not do that. It would just make cool shit, you know, and oh, that's cool to look at, but it doesn't help them. Or it could. You know, mm. and that's why I love the the fine line between being an artist and also a designer, mm. because I think the creative freedom is something that's that's amazing, but you also have to be able to um, give it form for someone else. And I think that's more hard than doing it from yourself. Mm. But on the other hand, making your own portfolio website is the hardest thing in the world. Jeez, I think I've the last one I made was in 2018. Uh, made 10 different versions of it and I still have the one of 2018. It's the hardest things. Mm. Yeah. And what are you struggling then the most? Like are, are you are you the world's uh, biggest uh, critic or what is it then like to 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 get it out? Or? You're you're your how you say it? You're yourself worst client. Yeah. Uh, because there's no concrete feedback from someone else. If if you, for example, if I make a portfolio website for you, you say I want this, 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 and this. I say, okay, sure, I'll make that. And then I, I, I give you something and you say, ah, oh, this looks cool, this looks cool. I don't like this because of this, this, and this. And then I say, ah, oh, well, I did it because this, this, and this. And I say, I still don't like it. And then, you know, I have something concrete to go back to the drawing board and know why you don't like it so I can make something else. But if it's all 
for myself, you know, I, I see it and say, ah, I don't like it, let's tweak it. Ah, I still don't like it, let's tweak it. And you go on, go on, go on without a stop because it's not someone else who's looking at it, but it's yourself. Mm. And that's the, at least in my opinion, the hardest, hardest client to work with. I find that super interesting because um, on, on the one hand, like for example, also when you work on a project for yourself, a scroll book, for example, now you wouldn't have to do it. Like there's no deadline. It's only like what you do, but you still keep like pushing it forward. And yeah. uh, like on the other side, there's like that uh, like gray area of like your, your website, your portfolio that is like uh, like there and like still in the process and yeah. you, you are scared a little bit maybe. Also yeah, like yeah, to yeah. It, it is because, you know, uh, how do you, and and especially with a portfolio website because it's your 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 first... Um, it's your business card in the end. Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. So... You want to come over the the best you could. You want to show off the projects the best you could, and you also want to, you know, be, not be cocky, be wholesome, and that kind of stuff. But it takes a lot of time, and then you shift. For example, the day after you shift um, perspective, and you say, "No, I want to be this 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 cool guy, you know, who's, who's just flexing and whatever." And it's just it's just the hardest. And do, do you find that like you found yourself already? Uh, from like a visual identity to be like this is my style like this is I, that, that's that's me that's my signature or is that something that you're like okay that's still so fluid that maybe that's also why it's so difficult to put it like on paper to say like this is my portfolio this is me yeah this is a good question uh i i ask other people if they um think i have a certain style and they all say i do but i cannot see it mm. i cannot see it. it it's mostly the the use of colors and typography in a layout kind of way and i think that's my my approach to everything making it a complete package not only you know having great colors and layout and buy but really everything around it um but on the other hand i change too often because i i get bored really quickly uh And that's the, the same goes with my portfolio website. You know, the, the one day I, ma I made something, I think, ah, oh, this looks cool. This could be something. And the next day I think, shh, this is boring. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. But, you know, on the other hand, it, you also have to be hard with yourself and say, or you bring it out now or just keep it the same way. And mm. for now, I, I <laughs> decided on keeping it the same, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, I still have to update it sometime, but... There are more important things, I think. Definitely. Um, do, how, how do you handle pressure? Because I think, you know, like um, I found you by an, uh, an article that I read about you and then it was uh, mentioned, hey, he like finished his uh, study program, his final project with a 10. Then he worked on this amazing idea and he already immediately got a job afterwards. Um, did you feel that there was some like sort of like pressure on you like prior to starting your job on like, Oh, we have really high hopes because he's a, a, a very big talent. Like when you came to the, to the workplace or was uh, no, something like this? No, definitely. No, no I, I don't think so. I'm also able to really shut off in the sense of um, not listening to people. So because the I don't want to sound cocky or anything, but I know I can design and I know I can do it in a certain way that people visually like to see or, or that it solves problems. And people always tell me that, you know, this looks good, this looks good. Here you got an eight, here you got a 10, that kind of stuff. But if you really hold on to those numbers or those, those words, you become too confident And then you lose track of what you're going to do. So I all, always try to shut it a bit, you know, off mm. and focus on my own plans. Because what I wanted is to just very simple, make money with something I love to do. If it was shit, it do doesn't matter, but because I still love to do it and I could make money off it. So the, the pressure was not really high. Um, perhaps people thought it would be, but... No, I, I think, and also, you know, I've, I've, I've a great upbringing. I, I am, I can, I can be at home and that kind of stuff with my mm. parents. That's also something. That helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. And how does like a, a typical work day or a typical day, uh, look for you right now? Like with all the things going on, uh, between, uh, Working from home, working for with or with and for Scrollbook, and uh, also for 
the the company for yeah them. yeah work from home is 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 the thing at first it didn't bother me but now it's really you know oh, i get so tired of it that's because i'm still in the same room where i graduated <laughs> so i don't have the the feeling of the next step i'm still physically in the same space where i was you know when i was in high school in mm. uh, yeah, basically still in high school so it doesn't feel like a change but uh, my typical day is that from monday to thursday i work from 9 30 to 6 ish sometimes a bit longer if the project is nice or the people i'm with is nice and i do this at superhero cheesecake you know being creative visually pitching for great clients and um you know really making it sounds simple it's just really making cool shit mm -hmm. um and then uh, i'm off on fridays where i try to work on my own company um, work on you know project that came in as a freelancer or that kind of stuff and squish between all those days a little bit scroll book where i can mm. so it's quite busy i think i'm i'm um overall working six days a week and i try to keep one you know completely free where i be with my girlfriend or game a lot or uh you know that also has to happen yeah um but uh sometimes it's hard you know sometimes it really hits you that, that you've gone too far at least for me uh, and then you have to push back a bit and that kind of stuff. But mm. and I think that the working from home situation doesn't make it much, much easier because you're, or at least I tend to work a little bit longer instead of, you know, if you go to the office, you go from, from 9.30 and 6, you're out. Or you, or you have beers with your colleagues, which is also nice. Mm. But when you're working from home, you, know, you start perhaps half an hour earlier and you work easily an hour longer if it needed because you don't have to catch a train or mm. anything like that. So I think it made, made it harder, but also something, you know, to, to keep in mind for the future, because I don't know how long we're still in this, uh, in this place. Yeah. It's very easy to lose yourself as well in the, I think so. Yeah. Because, I, um, the thing is when you're completely at home, you don't have impressions from the outside world. So albeit the 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 grocery store guy that yells to you every morning you don't got that same impression anymore so you know in, in that sense it's it it's a kind of flat or it becomes flat you have to keep it from your um or you have to get everything from your screen mm. which is also you know basically typing or calling and that kind of stuff but it's 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 not the same and i'm a person who doesn't like to work at home it's it's comfortable for for one day a week, but I you know I really uh, get high on uh, working and collaborating with other people. You know, mm. trying making something, saying what do you think? He says, ah shit, let's make it like this. And like, okay, cool. And then we have something to work with instead of being in your own bubble. And and uh, I mean, especially for you as a creative, uh, that, that's like this is your work, right? Like that's how you you earn your money. Like when you're not creative, then so like uh, shit in, shit out. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's quite quite difficult. Like do do you have anything like that you can put yourself into that um, state of like being super creative and having like all the energy flowing like artificially, or is that something that just happens naturally for you? Or you can maybe also natural and you just switch on like the creative switch and say like, now I design, now I'm creative. Like how, how does it work for you? Weed, man. No, no, I'm <laughs> kidding, no. Um, I think um, I have the luxury of having a kind of on off switch, you know, you're, you don't all the time have the creative uh, thinking you, you want to have. You know, sometimes you're working on it on something for three hours and it's, it just, it is shit and it stays shit for uh, the duration of the time. And sometimes mm. you, you know, you move mountains in an hour. It really depends, of course, on, on the flow. But I have the, the luxury of being able to sit down and start working. Mm. Um, even if I don't feel like it, I have the luxury that I can make myself do it. Um, for example, I know people who don't have it, you know, that need, really need pressure from the outside world to do it. So for example, they, they procrastinate until they have 40 out, eight, uh, 48 hours left and then they just, oh shit, now I have to do something. Um, but I, I don't have that. I, I have the, like I said, the luxury of, you know, sitting down and starting. But the creative part is something that comes and goes i also have have periods where i uh, 
where I'm not creative. So then I, I keep working on something for two weeks, for example, but I, I know it's not coming out there because I'm not feeling it or I'm not in my best mood or, or creative. And sometimes it, it just goes well. Mm. It's something really weird. And I don't know, of course, you, you can enable yourself a bit more, you know, have a tidy desk. Um, um, I don't know if if you game, for example, and you win a round of something, you know, it, it gives you some some great feeling, and then perhaps you know it goes well. Or you, what what helps for me besides that the most, I think, is going to look for inspiration, seeing some stuff, and then saying, "Wow, I want to make something like that," even if it's not something that's related to what you're working on right now, but it will you know stimulate your your brain of this looks cool i want to make something mm. like this as and well how, how do you get the uh, the inspiration like where where do you get it internet <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it's, it's basically from uh, from dribble with three b's um behance um awards website with three w's mm. <laughs> these three men say so, yeah. and the um uh what else yeah and instagram sometimes really sometimes i try to uh, minimize Instagram at all costs because you can really drown in that stuff. Um, but, um, you know, I, you got some creatives that you follow or you see something new and then you follow something new. Mm. And I think that, that that's the the most fun part. Mostly when I'm in in the train or in the bus, you know, this, this time to kill, I always look for inspiration on Pinterest or that kind of stuff and mm. creating boards. And it's not... Not in the sense where they set ter determined goal, but it's just to keep your your mind um, feeding from some someone else's creativity. I mm. think. Yeah, I agree. Is there anything that you that you would have wished uh, to to have known before you you started to work in the in the creative industry? That's the million dollar question. <laughs> um, from a, are you talking about creative kind of way or business kind of way? Can be both. Because business-wise, I would say I highly undervalued my work for a very long time. I, I think only since the last two years, I, I valued it at the right price. Uh, but before that, you know, I, I would almost do something for free, which is the worst you can do. And also for, for the whole, you know, creative people everywhere because if i sell something for free then the next person thinks like oh but you can do this for free right you just do it no problem but that you know you don't want to sell that so you want to sell value and value costs money and time and everything and i think if i knew that earlier i would value myself much faster of my um creative skills mm. i think And it, it doesn't always need to be put into money, but it's also still, you know, knowing what you're worth, uh, even if that's, if you think that's not a lot, I think it's good to know for yourself what you think you are worth. Mm. That's, um, that's a good one. And that's also where, like, for example, what I find really problematic is, for example, like f programs or like platforms like Fiverr or something, mm -hmm. which is like... <laughs> I think every every yeah, but not only designer, right? Like I mean, there's like from from all the from also voice acting, right? Yeah, voice yeah. acting, yeah. Uh, podcasting. Like I mean, it's it's insane if you think about it that someone would uh, edit your podcast for five dollars <laughs> for five euro <laughs> within 24 hours you know like yeah uh, and then it's the same with designs as well uh, yeah even though that the logos have to say most of the time are don't they don't look good or something or they're not really tailored but sometimes you also can get lucky and uh, it's a super cool logo and uh, you pay 25 euro for it yeah so yeah yeah um, but, but it of, of course depends highly on the creative person that you know but but still i think even if it's shit even if it's good You don't ask 25 euros for a logo. Yeah. You just don't do it. There there goes, I, except if they, you know, poop it out in 10 minutes, then sure. But I don't think they, they will do that. Mm. I always use this, um, this phrase of um, comparing it to, you know, uh, how much you should ask. Because sometimes people say, you know, I, I'm, I'm really good at this and I, I will, you know, do it in one hour. And my hourly rate is uh, 20 euros. So I ask 20 euros for this logo. I said, okay, great that you can, you know, put it out in 
one hour, but it took you what will be 10 years to get this good. They need to pay for this 10 years that you worked on this to get this good. Mm, that's true. What are you doing when uh, things, do, uh, things uh, don't go as, as planned? For example, um, how do you like handle um, maybe like a de defeat in a, in a way? Is, is that something for you that's easily um, digestible? I mean, of course, uh, uh, pardon if I hurt you with that, but like you become maybe like a third or, or, or second in a, in a contest where, where you could have maybe also won with this idea. Is that something that um, you flip the switch to say like, okay, but now I want to know it. So now I'm going to make it big because this is the, the, this is my idea. Or are you more like the person that like, okay, I lost then let's yeah, I cry in a corner. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah cry myself to sleep. No, it's, um, the thing I do, especially with this awards uh, ceremony thing, uh, as soon as I heard I was on the long list, I thought, great. Now I have to, you know, give everything I have. Uh, then I knew I was on the shortlist and then I stopped actually caring that much. And I did that on purpose because I knew for myself, if I get to attached to something a little bit too much, albeit going to the beach and then ending up not going, you know, you're so bummed and, oh, you know, everything's stupid. But I, I try to keep not to hold on it for too much so that whatever the outcome would be, if I won, I would be super surprised and if i didn't win like like happened i was totally okay with it because my expectation uh, expectations w weren't that super high that i was going to win mm. and i think that's also a a mindset or an attitude where you can you know enable yourself to be be better or be more productive because you you set these expectations for yourself of not the highest standard because most of the times sadly enough you won't reach it because our expectations also because of social media are crazy of what we think we we must achieve and i think with setting the expectations still high but not too high to you know always be in a in a place where you think it's going well but if it really doesn't go well then i also have an attitude of you know just keep on going It, it takes, um, if you want to start a company, it takes roughly three years to really make something or some money. And that's all it takes. You, you need to put the hours in it and it will not work the next day if you came up with the idea the, the previous day, you know. And that's also something I think you should always keep in mind. Rome isn't built in a day. Um, and the same goes for everything else. If, if you lose something or something doesn't go as planned, you know, Just keep on trying until, you know, if you've done something for 10 years, which which can also be the case, but then you can, you know, ask yourself really, is it going to work the next 10 years? And I think you can answer that question a little bit more with precision instead of, you know, trying something one day and saying, no, this is, this is not working. Mm. Yeah, and then also the consistency, right? To Uh, wake up the next morning and do the same thing over and over again yes. until you you master master like a, a skill I, i was listening this morning to a podcast of um uh, of, a, of a big wave uh, surfer in uh, nazare in mm -hmm. portugal and um, then they were like talking about uh, luck because of course you need to have be lucky that you have the highest wave and then you are there and you serve it because probably more people can serve it and then he said Uh, luck is when uh, talent meets preparation. Oh, wow. And I really, really like this because I thought like, yeah, like uh, I definitely saw some some truth in, in this and uh, it reminded me a little bit of what, what you just said that you, of course, maybe you got lucky with this idea of a scroll book, but also you invested a lot of research, like what are the people's problem? You stumbled <laughs> upon it, but you also had the talent and the preparation to and put it together right because an idea is only an idea and uh, execution is a, is a, exactly, whole, a yeah. whole other thing yeah but I, i i really like that that phrase but i also think that the luck factor is always there i think you should not think oh i wasn't lucky you know i think always like like you also say that the luck factor is always there you just need to have the preparation and i think then everything will come in place mm, that's true 
what is, is there anything that you are um most proud of so far in, in in your career that you have achieved that you say like wow this is really i'm really 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 proud that i've achieved this that's a good question um i mean scrollbook maybe that's like a yeah, an obvious one <laughs> yeah the, 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 that's the most recent thing <laughs> yeah, of course yeah. um if i'm if i'm really being honest i also forget what i'm making i'm really bad at looking back to what i made you know sometimes um open up my laptop or you know my old hard drive and then go through it and they're oh shit i made this oh yeah i made this wow i, I don't even remember it but um i would say it's not the best thing i made but it is something i'm proud of because it switched uh some kind of direction in me and it was also for school was a project where we had all the freedom in the world so i wanted to make a I just saw the film from Quentin Tarantino, uh, The Hateful Eight, you know, almost five years after it came out. Um, and I was so in love with the movie. And I thought I really want, I wish that they had a very good promotional website. So I looked it up and it was, <laughs> it was not, not beautiful. Mm. It was, it was a hard coded WordPress site with the most ugliest things ever. And I thought, wow, if anyone would see this website, no one would go see the movie. And then I thought, okay, I will make my own version of it and, you know, really sell this. And, you know, with, with some concepts behind it, uh, like for example, you have, you have eight characters in the movie, right? So I thought, oh, it would be cool if you have eight bu bullets on the website, uh, which correlates to you, you can click eight times and then you have to reload but that means you have to reload the page. So you have also uh, a certain amount of clicks per, per visit, mm -hmm. which I thought was a cool concept. Uh, but doing that, that project from purely out of passion and for an existing IP, I think there it switched for me what I wanted to make, you know, this more experienced kind of ways, uh, websites um, that or help people or make them more enthusiastic. And I think Scrollbook is something that came out uh, of that project because mm -hmm. I already worked on kind of the same thing. Super nice. How how high is like the, mm, no, not how high. Is it like um, difficult to compare yourself, uh, especially like in the creative industry? Like there's, I mean, you said it there, like five, six sites and uh, awards website and beyonds and whatever. Is it difficult sometimes to look at other people or like, do you compare yourself to others and say like, wow, he's like better in this sense or not? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's very human nature to compare yourself to, to someone else, uh, especially if they, if they are not much older than you or even younger than you are like, oh, fuck you I, i'm 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 25 and this person is you know 17 and it's already where i'm now and like, what have i been doing the whole time uh, so it's, it's hard to to not compare yourself but i think if you approach it on a way like i think a a, a mindset of having a mentor if you if you look at someone as competition and then, um, of course, that, that could help make you better. But if you look at it as perspective of a mentor, then you're, you're really looking like, okay, what did he do or she? How can I learn from this? And how can I, you know, make my own version of this? Mm. And I think that is a stronger asset than comparing yourself and thinking lower of your own capabilities. Because mm. sometimes you don't even see your own capabilities. And that's just because you're, you're blind for it. And I think that's also a good thing to ask around, like, what do you think of my work, if you're being honest? And what do you think is my style or what do you think I can do better and that kind of stuff. I also mm -hmm. asked that quite a lot and they always said, um, you're very great at making something visual, but the actual content you make doesn't make any sense. And I knew that was my strongest point. And that's also why I... Um, I got quite high grades on school because everything looked great. You know, the content wasn't my research wasn't you know so mm -hmm. uh, and that was the thing of um, what i said before the aesthetic usability effect because i put in so much effort you know it, it looked more easy and it had more um perceived value because it looked nice you know oh he probably spent a lot of hours on this because it looks so nice no no 
just made it look nice yeah. but, but other than that not but that's basically how i got also through, through my study like for me it was the most important thing obviously that look uh, needed to look good like nice uh, from a bachelor thesis for example like um i wrote it and i didn't have a lot of time to write it because i was also working at the same time and but then i decided to like design it and like um print it out on like really like thick glossy yeah, paper nice. with, like so it looked super nice I and expensive it, as well on exactly. the thick paper I, right i sent yeah. it to the teacher and he was totally surprised he said like well this wouldn't have been necessary because we only had to hand it in like uh, digitally mm -hmm. and he said like it wouldn't have been necessary but this is like one of a kind i've never seen anything like this and yeah i'm pretty sure that this helped as well like to, oh, put, to push, to push yeah. my, and I, I always did that like this i I was, I was i'm a big and i think that in the end even though that probably a lot of uh, people that will listen to that that are detail oriented they will hate this yeah but um i think that kind of like that 80 20 principle is yeah. so true that like the 80 percent will bring you very far like the last 20 percent super important as well but the last 20 percent also take you 10 times the time to to reach it you know it's like a little bit like electric car as well exactly you do the fast charging from 20 to 80 yeah. percent but yeah. like from 80 to 100 percent it takes like five five more hours yeah and and i think this is really a good um good character trait to have yeah i, I think so as well and also because uh, on that note you know um uh if you're for example very good in making something look good you can pay or collaborate with someone else who's really good at writing the content or doing the research you know let everyone do its part that mm -hmm. it's good at you don't have to be good at everything yeah of course we all wish to be but um that's true um i have a couple of questions left i have one, one question um and i found it uh, interesting because we we talked about like the the, the kind of like home office vibe and that you found it difficult to get inspired um was there one uh, like hack or trick or something that brought you a little bit uh, through the through the pandemic and through being like at home Whew. uh um I think the hack was calling someone every day, even if it's not a colleague, even if it's not someone from school. I think that really helps. You know, you, you will hear the, the usual go on walks, but you know, after some time you've seen the block where you live. So, <laughs> um, but I think it's always call with someone, you know, even if they don't have to something to talk about. You know, ask, how was your day? Uh, what are you doing? Are you working on school? Are you working on this? That kind of stuff. Because that really makes something more real because otherwise you'll be in your own bubble the whole day. Mm. And then it becomes, you know, your, your, your reality becomes not more than your four walls around you. So I think, you know, really um go out there and talk to someone the same goes for i deliberately wanted to have a video call with persons instead of you know asking a question via just slack or uh, a message thing because then i have a feeling i'm talking to a real person of course mm. but then it also makes um gives yourself a little bit of space of breathing room because you know how are you doing i'm doing good. Oh, okay well i'm working this oh cool cool what are you doing after work? Oh, this, this, this. You know, it makes something, you know, what we're used to in normal life <laughs> in that sense. Like a but, social interaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think this is something that is um, uh, something that we sometimes forget that it's really important to, you know, search for the contact. And I think it's, it's a lot harder now because you don't go out and you don't actually see people. So, you know, you have to actively go for it in that sense. Mm. Um, is there still anything in 2021 that you want to do that you have never done before yes i'm uh i'm going to set up a company with a couple of friends and we have this idea for a very long time and um i just recently saw a video it was from a um I usually don't click on this video. So that's also a funny thing. Uh, it was of a, I don't know his name, but he was a travel vlogger. You know, he's got beautiful imagery around the world, you know, and he, he's talking about, uh, you know, inspirational stuff. <laughs> Typical YouTube influencer guy. Um, but then he said something about, um, if I die today, this will be my message or this will be my video. I don't know exactly. But then he, kind of talked about that 
what you want to do, you need to do it today. And it sounds so easy, you know. Um, but I thought I really want to make this company with my friends for a long time, but it gets shoved to the background of my mind because you, know, you have to school, you have to graduation, and you have to go to work and that kind of stuff. You still want to do it, but it it's not being pushed to the foreground. And the reason why it's also being pushed back is because we're overcritical. What will be the name? What will be our, our positions? How do we, you know, put ourselves into the on the map, that kind of stuff. But we don't actually start. We just ask a lot of questions, which are also okay, but too much questions to get started. And I think this is the year when we will um, start it. Nice. At least I'm aiming for it. And uh, it, I think my my... My ultimate dream is to have my own design studio or agency where we can, you know, build cool, cool stuff um, digitally, but also physically. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think this will be the year that will um, come to life. Nice. Yeah. Now it's recorded, so now <laughs> now I have to. You <laughs> exactly. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the expectations is really high. No. Nice. <laughs> you can always listen back. Uh, cool. I think I want to uh, slowly bring home the, the podcast. I think it was um, really, really amazing to talk to you. Um, very cool things coming, uh, not only for the future, uh, design agency, um, uh, new project that is yet unknown uh, <laughs> with, with your friends, but also in general, I think uh, a couple of things that, that uh, stayed in my mind was like, I can't sit still. This was one of the first sentences you said in, in, the, in the podcast, actually. Um, and I think throughout the, the podcast, it became also clear why, you know, like you look in so many different things and you um, get your inspiration also from so many different things. I think that's quite nice uh, how you get inspired and will carry you very far, this kind of um, attitude. So thank you for all the insights. I think that was amazing. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. It was my, my podcast, uh, my first time podcast. Yeah, so, the uh, podcast from here. Yeah. Um, and we're not completely done yet i always have uh, three final questions uh, the short cool. the short questions that are consistent over every episode so the first one is um what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at um i think i definitely always want to get better in what i'm doing always uh even if i think i'm in a good place um but i think i can be better in managing um, different users. So if I now, for example, create a website, it's, you know, I have this one user in mind, but, you know, in, in the target group exists more than one kind of user. And, you know, really thinking about all the different ones, mm. keeping in account the different kinds of, you know, copies could be in a design instead of the perfect three lines or something. And I think I can really, you know, elevate my designs if I if I do that. And besides that, uh, I want to get better at, at bringing new value. And with that, I mean, instead of making things look nice, I want to transform them into new value that looks nice, not only that it looks nice. Mm. Really interesting. Uh, the next question I think was uh, never so suitable. Normally the question is, which title would you give this chapter of your life? But then we have to say, which title would you give this chapter of your scroll book life? So <laughs> you have to adjust it a little bit to, to you. I would say uh, the beginning. The beginning. Yeah. Nice. And the last question, if you could send a, a SMS or a WhatsApp message to every mobile phone in the world, what would you say? To every... Jeez, you, you, you're keeping the, the tough questions the tough for, question for the last. Yeah. Jeez. Um... I would try to keep it short. I would say believe in yourself. Science kind of corny, right? But I think it's it's important to to believe in yourself. Um, because why would someone believe in you if you don't even believe that you can do it or that you can achieve something? And I think that's the first important step of uh, being a creative person who wants to make money or wants to bring out their passion. Mm. Cool. Awesome. The SMS is sent. <laughs> <laughs> so the people get get now inspired. Um, Joop, thanks a lot for, for being part of the Thrill One podcast. Yes, thanks for having you. me. Thanks. And um, we are very curious what will happen with Scrollbook and the other company as well. <laughs> cool. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Thank you so much again for listening to the whole episode of the Thrill One podcast. And if you've made it so far, 
I'm very happy because actually this is the one moment that I can check in with you and talk with you a little bit about the episode and maybe you share the one or other thought that I have about this episode. And I think today was really great to talk to, to Job. Um, we talked a lot about his vision. Um, I think he has a very cool vision on design and culture. Um, and I think he really tries to create something long lasting. He really tries to uh, leave a mark in this world and not just uh, create something and design something, but do something that the people really can can grasp and that they have something for it and then it, it brings like a collaboration and a community feeling into it so that i really really appreciate um that he shared his vision today in the three round podcast he's a very special human being uh, very inspiring and there's loads of projects still to come uh, and also loads of startups uh, still to come and we already heard it in the uh, podcast that 2021 is another year to found his first startup with a couple of friends. So we're really looking forward to that. Stay tuned. Follow Joop Akaboom on his social media. He's not very active, but maybe he will be after the podcast. Maybe he gets inspired uh, to put his work uh, out there and uh, work on his portfolio. I think that's very important. And uh, yeah, again, thank you so much for, for listening to the 31 podcast. I'm forever grateful if you've made it until here. And um, if you know someone who should listen to the 31 podcast who doesn't listen yet, send him the link send him the Instagram profile and we see each other with another episode next week. Yours truly, Marcus.